Good morning. 11.30 service representing, is there 11.30 service pride? No? Oh, oh, there it is. Great. If I haven't met you, is everything okay back there? Okay. If I haven't met you, my name is Jason. I'm the college pastor here and uh, really excited to speak to you today. Uh, pastor Robert will be preaching next week starting our Christmas series, so it's going to be awesome to have him preaching again and uh, back in town. So, uh, hey, we've been doing this Find Your Fit series, and if you recall, because I know you keep track of all this, but two weeks ago, we did Find Your Fit, talking about getting rocked by God and understanding who we are in Christ. Uh, last week, we did Find Your Fit by getting into community, getting real. Today, we're talking about Find Your Fit, getting, uh, giving it away, and uh, I want to talk about understanding your design and how God's designed you for his purpose. Sound good? Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. I had a good Thanksgiving. Ate some turkey, some gravy, played some Pictionary. Then my wife drew this picture of our family on a whiteboard. Wanted to share it with you. This is my family. Um, I did need to clarify we're not announcing that we're pregnant. That is a Paw Patrol puppy in my little boy's hands. Uh, this picture did make me feel a little self-conscious. And uh, I, I posted it on my Instagram and, you know, did the hashtag, like, tall people problems, right? Uh, but then I clicked into the hashtag, tall people problems. I discovered a whole community of tall people <laughs> that have problems. There are 77,000 posts of tall people problems. I wanted to share some with you just to give you an idea. Into my world, my struggles as a tall person, showers are the worst, by the way, by far. But I'll just let you kind of take this in. ATMs. Cooking's tough. I mean, it's it's a it's a tough life when you don't fit in airplanes, <laughs> seats, every seat, right? The knees and the back. Um, yeah, beds are brutal, actually. <laughs> so, the good news is, I love this guy. Even though they didn't design airplanes for me to fit in. I fit in the church. <laughs> All right. That's good. All right, so let's establish some truths to kind of get a good foundation for this. Again, we're talking about finding your God-designed purpose. You do have a purpose. we got to find it. Uh, truth number one, God has a design, a grand design for the church. So ever since Jesus started this thing called the church, he actually had a purpose behind it. He designed the church for a certain purpose. Even the first statement he really declares over the church is pretty intense. Uh, he says this in Matthew 16, 18. He says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So since the beginning of the church, the church's purpose is to conquer hell. Just to go deep really fast. We went from tall people problems to conquering hell in about 60 seconds, but... Listen, the church is designed, it's on this mission to be strong, to conquer. The gates of hell cannot prevail like we will crash through the gates of hell to rescue people, to redeem sinners, to set the oppressed free, right? You with me? To save the lost. I mean, the church of Jesus Christ is on this mission. And I don't know if you know, but when you signed up for Jesus, you signed up for the mission. And, you know, the church, if you want to know and understand your, your purpose, your role in God's body, you have to understand of what you're a part of. You're a part of this missional church. 
In fact, it's a lot like if you're on a ship and all of us had like a big, I wish I had a big like wood oar or paddle. Because it's like all of us finding our gift, our paddle, right? And then we have to learn how to use that thing and synchronize. And we all got to start rowing together at the same time and playing our part. Because everybody's important. And the thing about being on a ship together is everyone's going in the same direction. We're all on the same mission, all contributing our part as the mission moves forward, right? Uh, in fact, in architecture, uh, when I studied architecture for a few years in college, um, when we studied churches, I learned that uh, churches, the main section of a church building is called the nave, which originally in Latin means ship. So every time you walk into a church building, you're like jumping on board. I know some of you sit in the same spot every week because you're like, this is where I this is where I do my thing. Um, but, you know, being a part of that, that ship, that mission, you know, I got to say, welcome to the battleship. You know, they always say the church is not a cruise liner. It's a battleship, right? How many of you have been on the USS Midway? Have you ever toured that thing? So pretty amazing to walk around that monstrosity of a boat. It's massive. And I got to go up. Uh, have you ever gotten to go up to the captain's uh, bridge? up top and you can kind of overlook everything. And I was up there and it really just struck me how intense it would be to be an aircraft carrier captain or like a battleship commander. I mean, that would be insane. Just even parking that thing, first of all, that's intense. But just looking down and thinking about airplanes taking off, landing like thousands of people playing their, playing their role, knowing what their job is, making sure that all of that's happening, even under the decks, the cooks, the janitors, the, everyone has their role. And whether you're new on the ship or you've been there for 20 years, you have a certain role to play. You might just be learning how to do it, but you've got a role. Or you might be a veteran, like teaching others to do it, but you have a role. In every stage, every season on that ship, when you're on that ship, you have a role. There's no spectators on an aircraft carrier. Like, you don't go visit a battleship just to watch. Like, if you're getting on that ship, you have a role to play. And when you get in Jesus' church, you actually have a role to play. And welcome to a giant battle. It's not easy. It's rough. But, man, you are on a mission, and we're going to win. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But you're a part of that ultimate mission, the church's mission. Truth number two, God chose me to be on his team, which is awesome. And it's always good to be chosen, to be on a team. Jesus says this literally in John 15, 16. He said, you did not choose me. I chose you. Why did he choose you? To bear fruit, bear fruit that will last. So not only did Jesus choose you to redeem your life because he loves you, but also for a purpose, to bear fruit. And it's not for the, you know, it's not for the pastor to bear fruit or your parents to bear It's for you to bear fruit. Like Jesus chose you to be on his team, to play your role, and to bear fruit that will last. So you get to be on the team. And I've always been really amazed at God's uh, sovereignty because we like saying God's sovereign and wise. But do you know that God actually is sovereign and wise? Like he actually strategically puts you in this room to sit next to the people that you sit, you know, to be as part of this team, be a part of this family. Could God be that sovereign to have you born in this city, growing, moving into this city? I moved here from Spokane. What about all these Texans moving here? What are they, what are they doing here? We got people from Canada, 
got people from Mexico. We got Africans, South Africans. We even have Hawaiians. We've got all sorts of people. But listen, God is so strategic. My favorite scripture, I, I share it all the time. So sorry if it's another time that you get to hear it. But Acts 17, 25, it actually says that God determines when people will live and where they will live. So do you know that God actually chose, for whatever reason, he's like, you know what? You need to live in this century. Not in the 1700s, not in the 1600s, not in all the other hundreds. Now. And, you know, God chose, he could have caused you to live in a different time in a different place. But he strategically put you, chose you as part of his team to put you on the earth right now for his purposes so that you could be a part of his purposes on the earth right now. And, you know, when we come together, we got to recognize, oh, God's brought me here. There's great purpose behind that. Even if I just wandered in, God purposed that I would be here and be part of this team. And so say it with me. I'm on the team. One of the things that was interesting during the light project is we've been raising funds to, for this building project and things. We had a lot of questions, you know, coming in. And a few conversations I had, I started seeing, hearing this theme. I would get the question, hey, when are you guys going uh, when are you guys going to share how much has been committed and raised? Or when are you guys going to unveil the plans? And I started to have to answer people by saying, hey, I'll answer that, but you have to ask me in a different way first. You can't say, when are you guys going to unveil it? You have to say, when are we? Right? When are we going to unveil the plans? When are we going to reveal how much has been given? Because there's no you guys and we. What is that? It's us. It's we. we. We are the church. You are the, you know, Robert has his role. You have your role. I have my role. We're the church together. And I just want to challenge you. Maybe you need to move from that, from that place of being a you guys to a we. Maybe today you need to start talking differently. Like, this is, this is us. This is, this is me. I am the church. I carry the mission of Christ with me. If you want to meet Jesus, come hang out with me. You need to say it like Jesus is with you. People don't need to come on Sundays. They just need to come and hang out with you. They'll experience the church. When they come into your house, they'll experience the church. They'll go, whoa. That's right. Truth number three, God has an assignment for me. So not only does God have an assignment and a purpose for the church as a whole, but he actually has a specific assignment for me, like a good coach would. When he's putting a team together, he's like, man, I got to get one of these. And he's putting that team together so that they can win and conquer. You know, in Ephesians 2.10, it says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What? Like God prepared specific works that I'm supposed to do in advance. So he has this plan of things that I'm supposed to do. And so I have an assignment. God designed me and he assigned me, right? He, he designed me and assigned me. So I have an assignment. I've got to find out what that is. I got to make sure I'm working on the right assignment because there's nothing worse than doing the wrong assignment. One of the funniest stories I've heard as a college pastor and working with college students I heard the story of this college student who was working really hard on his research paper, like last thing he was doing before he graduated, turned it in, and when it came back, this is what the teacher wrote on it. Good research, quote, good research, great illustrations, wonderful bibliography, grade F, wrong assignment. 
<laughs> so he had put just days and days, staying up late nights, working, did a great job, but it was the totally wrong assignment. And I just think what, what a tragedy it would be to stand in front of God one day and for him to say, Jason, you know, good career, great job, you know, wonderful boat, grade F, wrong assignment. Or, or to a church, wouldn't it be a tragedy if a church before God, God said, hey, great songs, great renovation, <laughs> grade F, wrong assignment. You know, like, not that these things are all bad, right? Just saying, like, we've got to be focused on the right thing. And it's really bothered me over the years. Like, why do so many people miss their assignment? Why do so few people, I feel, know their part to play and their role and really walk in that? I think one of the things uh, that's helped me is, is I think our perspective can be wrong. I think we can be focused on the wrong assignment. And I need two volunteers real quick. Two volunteers. Here he is. Come on, Andy. One more volunteer. Take that end of the rope, sir. Take that end of the rope. You go that way. Let's pull it tight. Keep going that way. Hold it up about this high. All right, perfect. Here come this kind of center. A little. There we go. Perfect. Pull it tight. All right, so let's say this rope represents eternity. And it's kind of a failed analogy already because <laughs> it should keep going, <laughs> right? I thought about it. I was like, I should get like a 300-foot rope. And, um, now, let's say this is eternity. Now, let's just say right here, this dot. That's my life, the whole thing. Because the Bible says our lives are like a vapor, like they're here one second and gone. And, you know, God could have chosen that you would live here or here or what, you know, this little dot. But one of the biggest problems and the biggest reasons people miss their purpose is because they're all focused on this dot. That's it. It's like, I'm going to conquer this life. You know, I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to have a great career. You know, the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of wealth and the worries of the world, and it chokes out the word of God in us, all that stuff, right? So we get focused on the wrong assignment. And when you start hanging out with Jesus, you're, you're like, oh, he's not even thinking about this dot. <laughs> like, it's all about this eternity, right? What's the only thing that's eternal? Souls. That's it. Everything else is gone. So we can spend our whole life trying to, I can't even find the dot. Look, it's, the other, I was thinking about heaven also. And what's so interesting about heaven, when we're in heaven for eternity, we're going to see a lot of cool things, right? We're going to see the Lord. We're going to see seraphim angels. We're going to see golden streets. I don't know. It's going to be amazing. The one thing you will not see in heaven is non-Christians. You won't see people that aren't in Christ, right? I think that's in the Bible. Like, you have to be in Christ. And so we have this really small time on the dot where our focus should be focused on souls and people because it's our one chance to be a part of God's mission to rescue people from hell and to conquer the gates of hell and to redeem souls, right? Bring healing to people's lives. And we've got to be focused on the right assignment. Be focused on the eternal assignment, not on the dot. Live for the line, not for the dot. Yep. Thanks, guys. Good job. Um, 
You know, and sometimes, sometimes we think, okay, God has a role for me, but it's going to be lame. I mean, I know he's got really serious talent, and it's going to be awesome, but, you know, for, for me, if I ask God what I'm supposed to do with my life, he's going to, like, send me to the middle of Siberia, where Jeff planted a church. Uh, <laughs> right? We have this perspective, like, man, whatever God calls me to is going to be the worst. Can I just tell you truth number four? God knows what's best for me. And I actually, you start you start discovering in Christ that, oh, God's plans are actually the best. They're so much better, so much more fulfilling, so much more joy, so much more fun. Sometimes, I mean, to be honest, sometimes I look at people that aren't following Christ, I'm like, what do you do with your life all day? What do you do? Like, it seems so boring to me. Like, get in on the mission of Christ. That's wild and crazy stuff. I mean, it's awesome. And so, you know, God promises, Isaiah 48, he says, I'm the Lord, your God, who teaches you what is best for you. So God wants to teach you. And as, you know, the word disciple literally means a learner. So he wants to teach us, like, I'm going to teach you your assignment and what's best for you. And we've got to go get a hold of that and be willing to learn. And we need to make a decision. God, your plan for me is the best one. I'm going to find out what that is. Uh, my freshman year of college, when I got saved, first gave my heart to Jesus, I had planned to be an architect. Since I was 13, I was committed. I don't even know why. I'm like, I'm going to be an architect. So junior high, I started taking CAD classes and learning how to draw 3D and doing designs. And, you know, freshman year of college, majoring in architecture. Uh, and a couple of months after I became a Christian, I was sitting on my futon. I was sleeping on my futon, to be honest, because I hadn't done my laundry and my sheets were all... Okay, so I'm laying on my futon at like 10 p.m. in my living room, and I, it strikes me, I'm like, I should ask God what I should do with my life. I've never done that before. That sounds interesting. And so I close my eyes. I'm like, God, what do you want me to do with my life? You know, immediately he said, you're not supposed to be an architect. <laughs> like, I just knew in my heart, just like, you're not supposed to be an architect. You're called to be a pastor. Okay, I had no idea what that meant. Other than it sounded cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, but I'll tell you, that was like one of the most exciting moments in my life. Really a, a life-changing moment. Just asking God that simple question. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What's your plan for me? Now, it doesn't mean that architecture is evil. Like, be an architect, but I'm not supposed to be an architect. I'm supposed to do what I'm Like, God had a specific assignment for me. And he has one for you. And in fact... To encourage you, most of you, when you ask God, what should I do with, what do you want me to do? He'll say, you're on the right track. We just got to get the focus a little bit, you know, in place. You got to, you know, serve me doing what you do that, right? So don't be, don't be scared, though. Like, approach God with confidence. He's a good father. I'm so glad I asked that question. I'm so glad my wife, who's British, asked that question while she was on a bus in London. And God said, you need to move to California. Good news for me. In fact, you will have a revelation one day, the same revelation that David had that he wrote in Psalm 84. He says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Do you know one day serving God in his house? This is a big sermon for ushers. 
<laughs> right? One day, holding the door open for people coming into God's house is better than a thousand days of being prominent in the world or having a position of prominence elsewhere. You know, one day, serving God in his house. You know, I was looking at Jack, the drummer, and Carissa, you know, the Gillettes. Uh, just, just thinking, you know, one day of leading God's people into worship, bringing glory to God, using their singing and gifts to, for God's glory is better than a thousand days of being, you know, famous on a stage singing for their own glory. You know, I mean, it, it's better. It's just better to serve God. It's better to be in his house. And so be encouraged that you're in the right place. When you're giving your life to God's church, there's nothing better. Truth number five, only through Christ can I know my purpose. So let me tell you, you will not find your purpose if you're not in Christ. Why? Because you were designed by Jesus, for Jesus, for his purposes. He designed you for a purpose. He's got your calling. You can't be called without somebody calling you into it. So you need to listen to Jesus, but he's going to call you into that. Now, one of the things you start realizing uh, as soon as you start walking with Jesus is like, whoa, he's on a mission. <laughs> like, we're not just sitting around <laughs> like, whoa, I feel challenged. I feel like he's up. Like, he actually gave a mission statement for himself in Luke 19, 10. He said, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. He said, that's why I've come. That's Jesus' mission. That's the church's mission. And then you start hearing Jesus say things like, the harvest is ripe. Like people everywhere, look around, guys. The harvest is ripe. People are ready. The workers are few. Come on, church. We need more workers to take their place. We need more people to grab their paddles and join in so that the mission can be completed, right? So he gives us that call. And we start seeing that God not only does work in us, but he wants to do work through us. So when we first come to Jesus, we get to just experience God transforming us, his power in us. But then we start seeing, oh, God wants to do something through me as well. I have a responsibility that God would use me for others and to serve his body, okay? So truth number six, another way you need to find your purpose is through the church. You cannot find your purpose solo, by yourself. It doesn't work. Why? Because the church is a body, and you're one piece of a body, and if one piece of a body's by itself, that's what you see on Halloween. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Romans 12 says, In Christ, though many, we form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. Every piece of the body has a role to play, but it only makes sense when it's part of the body. You know, you, you really start appreciating your toe when you stub it, and you realize, oh, that's actually a really important part of my body. Didn't even think about it. Think about your lungs right now. You weren't even thinking about breathing, but they've been functioning and playing its role. You know, every part of our body needs to be, if we want to be a healthy church, a healthy movement, if we want to transform cities and transform nations, we need you to play your role. You got to play your role. That way we can be a healthy body. Now, one of the uh, most helpful analogies for me to understand how to find your fit in God's family is actually a jigsaw puzzle. So have you ever, have you ever done like a 5,000 piece jigsaw puzzle? 
I'm going to kind of unpack what it takes to do that because it's going to, it really does describe what it takes to find your fit. So if we're all a puzzle piece, first of all, you know that finding those pieces and getting them in the right spot is going to take some work. So first of all, it's not easy. You don't just dump the pieces on the, like you don't just throw everybody in this room and go, all right, everybody knows what they're doing. It's like, no, it takes work. It takes effort. You got to start by getting everything facing the right direction, right? You turn it on. You're like, hey, face this way. So, so, so we're helping people, like, get out of the darkness and come in it like, hey, let's look at God. Let's start trying to figure out where you fit. Do you realize there's a bigger picture here? Ah. Okay, so we start with that. And we're going, okay, we know that this piece has a place somewhere. Where is it? And then we start working on it. You know, it takes several tries to find a piece's fit, right? You don't just grab it and go, boom, 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 right? You're just like, you're staring at it. You're like, where does this go? <laughs> All right, that's like our lives, right? We're just like, man, where does this go? And then you, what do you do? You, you take your best guess. Like maybe there's some purple in this one. There's some purple. Maybe it'll go there. And you take your best guess and then you start trying to jam it on. <laughs> Like, that's got it. Oh, that's not it. And you pick it back up, and then you try another spot, right? And that's what you need to do to find your function. You need to get active. Some of the best advice I ever got was just get in there. Like, get your best guess and jump on a team. Start serving somewhere. You'll figure it out. You'll be like, no. No. Maybe. Right? So it takes time. Another thing that's interesting is that when you... When you have a piece and, and you don't find its fit, you don't throw it in the trash, right? Why? Because you know that piece has a place. It does have a place. You just haven't found it yet. And you definitely don't see the puzzle piece run off the table and jump in the trash. Like, don't leave. You have a place. You just haven't found it yet. Like, it might take some time. So you got to be patient and trust. Like, God has a place for me. I got to keep trying things, and people are going to help me, like, you know, because the other interesting thing about a puzzle is that sometimes one piece can't find its place until the other pieces find their place. So sometimes you're actually, you don't know it, but you're kind of waiting because some other people are going to find their place, and then it's going to be obvious. You're going to be like, oh, that's where I'm supposed to be, right? But you got to wait. You got to stay in the game. Uh, The... The amazing thing as well is, you know, you're so important, not just so that you play your role, but when you find your role and your fit, you'll actually make it easier for others to find their fit. So when you get in, you're so important because you're going to make it much easier for the next people to jump in and find their fit. That's how we become this masterpiece, right? This amazing puzzle. And what's, what's worse than getting to the end and you're like, where's that one piece? Don't leave. The other thing is when you put a puzzle piece in, you celebrate, man. It's like, yes! I even talk trash to my daughter, my nine-year-old. I'm like, found one. I've got ten, you only got eight. You know, anyway. Now there's nothing better. There's nothing better than finding somebody's fit, right? Like we really gotta celebrate that as a family. Like when you see somebody finding their fit and starting like, whoa, there they go. Like, it's happening. We, we help that person grow and find their place. Like, that's what the church is all about. 
So let's celebrate a lot. Uh, number seven, my design leads to my purpose. We're going to end on this point. It's kind of a biggie. But, you know, God designed you a certain way so that you can achieve your purpose. So I want to give you a really practical, you might even want to write this down. Really, it's, it's one of the best things I've ever seen to help you discover your specific role and assignment. So God has designed you. So let's look at D real quick. What are your desires and your dreams? In fact, if I asked you, what is, if you could do anything in the church, if you could do anything for Jesus, what would it be? That, what's springing up in you is a desire, a God-given dream and desire, and that's probably where you should get involved. You know, go for it, right? So what are those dreams that's God given you? One thing I've learned over the years, did you know any God-given dream can be accomplished through his church? You don't have to go, and you shouldn't go outside of the church to achieve your dreams. Everything can be achieved. Every God-given dream can be achieved through his church. Through his church. Do you know that the vision of the church is bigger than your vision for your own life? Unless your dream is bigger than world conquest. Because that's the vision of the church. World. We want to we take Christ to every nation, every tribe. Are you with me? I mean, your, your personal vision fits within that vision. Trust me. So I want to say rise up, businessmen and businesswomen, but do it as part of the church. You know, rise up, pastors. There's a lot of you in here who need to go plant churches. There's, you know, evangelists says, I don't know what your dreams are, but, you know, get in. Be a part of it. We need you to play your role. What are your dreams? What are your desires? E, you have experiences. So... There's certain experiences that you've had in your life that God actually designed and is using. Not every experience is from God, but God will use every experience for your purpose. Okay, so, you know, sometimes I wonder, I was, I was thinking, the other, I was talking with somebody about this. I was like, man, it is crazy how many countries I've been to without even trying to go to, like, I don't want, I don't want to travel, to be honest. I'm not, I never grew up like, I want to explore the world. Uh, I've been to like 37 or th I can't figure it out, but almost 40 countries, right? Uh, and it's so interesting to see how God uses all that experience over lots of years of life uh, to my role as a college pastor, where my primary role is to raise up hundreds and thousands of young people to find their place and to go to the nations for Jesus. That's interesting, right? You know, God uses our experiences, and we don't even realize it. Like, whoa, I've been in 35 countries. You know, I mean, we don't even realize what God's doing, but he's forming us for his purpose. Another thing God uses in our lives is our past hurts and our pains and the, the toughest trials in our life. They become a central part of our purpose. You know, I, it always strikes me how much compassion I feel for people that are in financial debt. Like when somebody tells me they're in debt, I literally feel compassion. Like, like, oh, man, because I was in debt. Like, my wife and I were in, in a lot of financial debt, and I know how crippling and heavy that is, and I know. So I can, I can relate. It's actually become part of, you know, part of my ministry in life is, like, speaking into people when they're in debt, like, saying there's hope. Like, look at what God did in our life. I can tell the story of God's, you know, transformation and power coming in and taking us out of debt. And, you know, so it's become part of a ministry for me, but... You know, your hurts and your pains, you get to use that 
to serve God and to minister to people and rescue people. And it's amazing. You know, in Psalm 56, it actually says that God keeps a record of our misery. Isn't that nice? Uh, <laughs> you record my misery, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Like God keeps, God knows these things, but he'll use them. And so we need to almost thank God. Thank you, God, for that. I am actually literally thankful that I was in debt once because I, I didn't understand until I went through it. Now I know. And so there's great power in your purpose behind your experiences. Also, you have spiritual gifts. So every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. Every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. In First Peter, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Why do you have gifts? Why do you have gifts? To serve others. They're not for your own glory. It's to serve. So God gives each one of us a gift to serve. Now, I want to do like spiritual gifts 401 in like 60 seconds. Are you ready? So I want to give you a, a quick description of the different gifts. And as I read them, I want you to go, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. So you're going to, some are going to stand out to you because God's giving you that desire and it's in you. So first of all, the Bible talks about office gifts. In Ephesians 4, it lists these. There's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, the role of those folks is, quote, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. So what's the purpose of those gifts? Is to build up God's people to equip them to do the work of God. So a teacher, a pastor, your job is to equip others to to be strong and to play their role so the church can be strong. The Bible also talks about serving gifts. In Romans 12, it lists prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, showing mercy. And the only thing it says in those scriptures is do it. <laughs> like if you've got that, do it. It's, it's kind of funny, actually. It's like if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So it's just like, hey, do it. So I want to call you out. If you have these gifts, you need to do that. There's nothing better than people functioning in their gifts. When there's somebody to be prayed for, somebody that needs prayer, we all pray for them. But man, the gift of intercession on some of you, you just like... You pray until the answer happens, right? You press in with passion. When there's somebody to visit in the hospital, you give people with gifts of mercy, you rise up and you go. You know, when there's something to be cooked, come to my house. <laughs> there's also charismatic gifts, it lists in the Bible. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. So these are spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit. And that scripture says that the Spirit distributes them to each of us as he wills. So he strategically will give certain gifts to certain people so that the body of Christ can be built up and strong. But you need to be functioning. You need to act on those gifts. You need to be active. And so let me just say, even the gifts that you don't understand are good. And you should never try to find a church where everybody has the same gift as you. 
You need to find a good, healthy, you should see all the gifts functioning around you. That's a healthy, that's a healthy church. So we're being raised up. You know what, you know what else you have as part of your design? Individual style. Got some individual style. Now, there's extroverts in the room. There's in, any introverts out there? <laughs> been, it's been my personal experiment to see if introverts yell or not. Yeah, introverts. I'm quite introverted, actually. It's funny. Uh, we're all different. We all have our unique personalities, our traits. Like some of us are people-focused. Some of us are just like task got to accomplish it. Some of us are structured, and some of us are spontaneous and out of control, <laughs> according to the structured people. But we need all of you. We need you to be yourself, to play your role. Do you know that, you know the best person to reach an introvert? An introvert. Go be silent together. That's what my friend says. You know, spontaneous, fun, crazy people that you're going to reach spontaneous, fun, crazy. Like we, we can reach, we can impact the city together, these nations together. But we all need to play our role. Uh, G, growth. So the goal is not perfection, it's growth. One of my favorite things to do as part of this church family, as part of the church, is to help people be raised up. In, so let's get people preaching before they're ready. Yes. It's good, because we don't expect perfection. We're cheering on a family member. Like, yeah, you took a step. I don't know if she should be preaching, but we'll find a different fit. No, no, no. We're cheering, right? We're raising people up into those their function. That's the church. It's not perfect. It's just messy and, like, trying to help a family member figure it out. I loved earlier today, I was walking outside in the parking lot, and I saw a dad taking a picture of his son wearing a parking vest for the first time. And he was, like, standing there. He's like, I don't know how old he was. I shouldn't say. He's, like, standing there. His dad was, like, really proud. He's like, I'm like, yeah, that's it right there. Like, wouldn't it be good to give kids trophies for serving God instead of just sports? Like, I think that would be sweet. Like, let's celebrate each other as we're serving God in our gifts and figuring it out. Lastly, you have natural abilities. So God's given you natural abilities. You have certain skills, certain gifts. Some of you just, man, you put your hand to something, you can fix it. So come and fix stuff. Some of you can cook. Come and cook. Some of you, you know, you have these natural abilities. Some of you... You know, the reason this one's important is because sometimes we have a desire that doesn't align with our ability, and we've got to recognize that. We've got to say, eh, I want to sing like Stephen. <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> so we've got to make sure, you know, God will supply the right abilities for you to achieve your assignment. So make sure your abilities align with that as well. So I want to invite the band up. Uh, I hope that one, you feel encouraged that you have a place and you have a part to play. But most importantly, I really want to call you out. Like Thanksgiving is a great moment for us to look at 2019. Go, okay, getting ready for that next year. I want to call you out and say, will you, can, you, can you serve in your purpose? Jump in, try something, get active. But make sure that you're playing your role so that we can rise up as a church family and make a great impact for the kingdom of God. Let's stand up together.